0: We Are the Weather is lovingly assembled on the Anchor Podcast platform. Episode 7 of We Are the Weather is entitled Now or Then of Gods and Men. Hey, hi everybody! Um, How's the last six months been for you? Goodness me! um, As if the world couldn't get any more complicated, eh? Um, Well, I hope you enjoy this podcast—a little bit of light relief from everything—and a few friends just passing through time is what this is about and reminiscing. And on the subject of friends, uh, there's many friends that I mention here. Um, I mention uh, Justin. I mention Julius and Mauro. And I should also mention Ben and Richard and Bogdan and Squid from the old Umbrellas of Cherbourg days and so, so, so many others. Um, They come up in general conversation and because I've known um, the subject of today's podcast, uh, Songdog, otherwise known as uh, Carl Woodward, uh, Pod and uh, Lyndon Morgans, Songdog Morgans himself. um, I've known them for so long. um, It was a very easy and uh, free-flowing conversation so uh, I do hope that uh, you enjoy it and if you don't get any friends references uh, apologies a uh, big shout out to Little John and to Ian Dinwoody and to uh, oh just so many people we'll get to more in a minute let's listen to a great song by Songdog from um, an album from I think it's 2017 let me just check yes it is Joy Street 2017 a ukulele whiz looks back
1: Panky too, Marlene from the tumble, Norman the Grim. You were telling that joke, we all knew it by heart. Montgomery Clift, Steve McQueen, and Bob Mitchum walk into this bar. And all of us laughed, like we did every time. You gave your spoon, a little gunslinger's twirl. Then we talked all night, just moving air. How come the cruel winds of time blew us so far apart? Christ, the nights are really... Stole Dylan himself To go take a hike She auditioned us both In that cold water flat We sipped Beaujolais Nouveau From old chip mugs She sang naked as the day she was born And we camped on the Coiti, Under the stars Young and drunk And glad we'd been born Pearl took a pill Babbling till dawn Said she could feel the northern star Swimming in her blood Do you think it's swimming there still? Sister blowing by Panavan pond like when we were pirates out on the lake Your sister in tears as her dolls walk the plank We've jumped off a rainbow just for the thrill A miracle every turn of the road And we both loved Laverne in her velvet and lace I walked home one cold windy night she drew my name in a heart on her dad's garage door, and time dozed on a windowsill all summer long. They were the happiest days of my life. Still strum the old songs. I can mow down a tune like the Reaper, a soul. Come on, just count me in. No, 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 no. It's the Gettysburg address of all bullshit I'm talking. I ain't touched the damn thing in years. I hear long dead feet on the frosty steps and kitty's scarlet mouth and her hair all a mess. And in the headlights swimming. On my bedroom wall, I see us playing in the lane Till it got too dark to see the ball Didn't think we'd ever grow old I try not to think, and I try not to look A sundown kind of feel runs through all of my days Was there some trick to living? I never did learn There's a ghost in the lane, they say he's asking for me Now how did that joke go again?
0: So there, there are the kind of high, wonderful, lyrical standards that you can expect of Lyndon Morgans and Song Dog. Now, part of the reason for us uh, getting together was because we have been threatening to do so for a long time anyway, uh, and it only took two years of the pandemic to uh, finally uh, get us, well, in a Zoom room together anyway. Uh, so again, apologies for any technical um So I thought my microphone should have sounded so much better than that. I mean, I'm just using the phone here. Uh, People who have listened to this podcast before will know that I try to just use the Anchor app on the phone if I can. Uh, But when you're using Zoom, obviously, I've got other um, inputs and things. And uh, technically, I've got a really good condenser mic, and it should sound great. But uh, ho-hum. Anyway, we move on from that. It's all legible, at least, um, or shall we say audible um at least so um i hope it'll be good fun uh the intro into this piece is a uh, a great great sad among strangers song uh which was the name of the band uh, song dog when i first came across them back in uh, 1979 1980 fashion tips for the sensitive which uh, is a shortened version and uh i hope you enjoy it and then we get straight off into the preamble which is the little discussion that we had just before we started up and then onwards and uh, i'll speak to you after the interview lots of love all and uh, oh my goodness try and stay well bye for now
2: hear you loud
0: and clear brilliant and if i and if i talk like this like a radio announcer how does that sound it looks very bbc oh no 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 i don't i don't, I don't go with the bbc thing these days they're all they're, all just <laughs> a, little, they're a little bit too revolving door for me <laughs> all right so listen it's so lovely to see you i i get involved in so many things i don't know what you've been up to you say you're a bit of a technophobe but clearly you're uh, you're you're quite comfortable with uh soon because there you are look all, only because i've done it before Hey, wait a minute, I'm overseeing this stuff, I
3: need
2: a credit, yeah?
0: Oh, Pod,
2: Pod actually, <laughs> Pod actually turned it on,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the legacy of the 60s, if you want anything turned on, just ask Pod. Listen, mate, this is just fun, I'll be doing some editing, if, if, if it works out well with, um, in terms of recording quality, because I know it's going to work out well as a conversation, because it's just going to be fun, so don't worry about uh, feeling like you might be on, you, 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 you like being on the stage anyway, so it shouldn't bother you. Am I allowed to swear? You can swear as much as you fucking like, mate. Really? Uh, I don't mind at all. It's like all that I do in my life, I, I've decided that I do things for me. And if I enjoy doing them and I do things for me, other people sometimes enjoy them too. Yeah. But look, I'm quite keen on playing a ukulele whiz as an opening track. Oh, um, right, OK, great. Yeah. But then I'll introduce you. And what I'm going to do now, just by way of a little element of surprise, I'm going to share the screen here. And I'm just going to play something and then I'll do an introduction to you and then we'll just get going. We'll just see how it goes. Just have fun. I'll enjoy it. And it's lovely to see pod. Is that your little is that your little hidey hole in Wales?
2: then? Yeah, I'm down in Wales. Yeah, this this is my yeah. cabin. All my books and stuff are up here, you know. Really? Yeah. Just, um, there's an old Sand Among Strangers poster on the wall, which you can't see.
0: Ah, fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Right. OK, so I'm going to share the screen uh, and I'm going to play something to you. So here we go. Uh, share sound. You see, I don't, know. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I just keep hitting these buttons, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. It, it looks very impressive this end. It, you know, you look like... Thank you, mate. Well, the camera is, um, the camera good, and and the sound. I've got a relatively good microphone, though. When you're using Zoom, it doesn't always work as well as it does for recording, because I do quite a lot of music as well. Right. So, listen. Um, I'm going to take us back to a time that. Uh, our paths crossed and we're going back 41 years here so have a listen to 1980 yeah yeah it says it can't play now (laughs) (laughs) you do these things and ah here we go pregnant pauses this is why i edit stuff yeah well
2: Um,
3: all life is edited anyway
2: yeah you're right i see a guitar in the background dan is that uh you play a lot do
0: you that guitar that guitar you can see there is uh Justin's guitar. You remember Justin? And uh I've uh, got a great picture of a chameleon that he drew for uh, one of your uh your little newsletters many years ago. I'm still very good friends with Justin and Julius and Mauro and people from way back then. And that was a guitar that Justin bought himself when he went to uh New Zealand.
1: And it was one of the first. Oh, th- okay.
0: it's an I- it's an Ibanez. It's a beautiful big bodied guitar. And I bought it off him and then I put a little pizza pickup in it. So I use that all the time. That's my that's my go-to. This might work this time. Let's have a go. Right, fingers crossed. sound quality on that. This was a tape that uh, Justin had recorded and um, yeah. and I, and I of course, mastered, well, I say mastered it. Um, I did the best I could with the tape a few years ago and put that con- uh, two of those concepts onto an MP3, which I supplied to you. And I hadn't listened back to them again for a couple of years. And uh, when I listened back to it, about four weeks ago, Lendon, I was in my workshop and I listened to that. And as that song started up, I just started crying came over with waves of emotion. Now, I, you know, I've been emotional, all sorts of music, your music, loads of people's music in the past. But this, was a, this was a really overwhelming session, and it was joy. It was actually joy. All of those instruments working together. I mean, you know, you probably crit, criticized the, the quality of the performance and everything else, but it, you very, very rarely played it by the time I got to the band. I think you'd stop playing it live around then. So to listen back to it now, and it just had a, incredible reaction
2: yeah I mean they, they were fantastic times that um that song fourth to Be Grown, opened the set for quite a while um when we when we first went to the two Brewers obviously there wasn't much of an audience at first and so in those in those months when we play to I don't know 10 or 20 people that would be the opening song but by the time by the time they started giving us better nights and the place started filling up that song was about to be
0: moved on you know You'd been playing like mid-week nights and then they shifted you to
2: a Friday and then eventually it was the Saturday or something, wasn't it? That's it was right. We went, f- we went from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, eventually to Saturday, yeah. It was like, um, they were fantastic times, you know, they, they really were. We, we've got recordings of Sad Among Strangers, but, but they're studio recordings. Pod's got a pile of them, you know. They,
3: they've probably got our
2: recording as well, though. Yeah, we, we, um, we, we didn't... I wasn't aware of having much live stuff. It sounds a lot punkier than I remember.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, I mean that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, and I should just say at this point, for the benefits of people listening that don't know. Uh, at that time, uh, sat among strangers, um, the uh, the band that I found found in terms of as a young man walking the streets, founding my tribe. I found my tribe in sat among strangers, and it was an incredible thing. And the band consisted of uh, Lyndon, who I'm speaking to now. Um, uh, Carl Woodward, who's Pod, who's sitting behind you, and it's lovely to see you. I, I didn't know I'd see you today, so it's brilliant to see you too, Pod, fantastic. Yeah. Sig, Robert Luzneski, Malcolm uh, Malcolm Phillips, and a powerhouse that was uh, Steve Prescott, or is, is Steve Prescott. Um, yeah. So that was the band as such. Um, instruments Les Paul, SG, uh, Malcolm Phillips on his Rickenbacker, as I recall at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the left-handed right-hander, fantastic instrument that he played. <laughs> And uh, yeah. and again, I come back to Steve. Now, you know, it's interesting because, I, I mean, I, I, I tinker and play with all sorts of instruments and, uh, and have an appreciation of many different musicians for many reasons, but I just, I, I could never stop myself from staring at Steve when he was playing. He was just an incredible uh, guy to to watch. He was so in that moment.
2: Yeah, he was, um, he was a crazy drummer. We, 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 we chose him at the audition because of his energy. The bass player before Malcolm, who never actually did a gig with us, he wanted someone more musically polite. So we, cho- so we chose another guy for about two weeks. And then we decided, no, we, we want the, the impolite guy. So um, the bass player went, in came Steve, shortly followed by Malcolm. That, that was the order. Yeah.
0: Wow. What was the history, Lyndon, that took you up to round and about that point in your life when you're, you're, you're living in London? Uh, you've got that band together fully for the first time, but before that, there was a journey. Blackwood, wasn't it? You you, you were yeah, up from,
2: yeah from Blackwood, which which no one had ever heard of then, but it, it's it's known now as being the home of the Manic Street Preachers, who became you know the first big band to come out of here. Um, yeah, we 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 got to London because I couldn't get a, a serious band going down here. I played in covers bands, but um, I couldn't get a band that's we wanted to play original material, and then no one, no one would have come to hear it, even if we had. You know, so um, I knew Pod and Sig already, and another another friend. We went. We moved to London in the summer of '76, when punk was starting to happen in London. Hot summer. Uh, yeah, that, the long, the long hot summer. Yeah, we bought, a, we rented a flat in New Cross, and I think we spent nearly eighteen months recording material on a tape recorder we bought. I'd never written songs before then, really. So we, we spent some time recording and arranging these things with, without a rhythm section. And then uh, in, the, in the summer of 78, we started advertising for a rhythm section. As I say, eventually we got Steve and then Malcolm. We probably would have just carried on rehearsing forever, but Steve decided we should do a gig and he, he called out Bluff and booked a gig at his local youth center.
0: Uh, it was his um, fault, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so
2: we, we did that. And then we slowly crept towards the West End. And then at a gig in Acton, that summer of 79, probably, um, we met uh, a guy called Ian Dinwoody. Ian Dinwoody. Dan! Uh, Dan Dinwoody! Dan, Dan Dinwoody, yeah. He, he worked for, um, at that point, he worked for EMI. And uh, he decided he wanted, wanted to manage us. So um, he put us through a kind of boot camp, you know, to make, made us kind of slightly more disciplined than we were, you know, uh, and then started booking us gigs, one of which was the two brewers, midweek. So we started, um, we started there playing to about 10 or 12 people. But each time we played, there were always a few more people the following week. So we'd go up at night and then suddenly we were able to fill the place. You know, They were fantastic times um, until, I think it was until the, the spring of 1982, maybe, when, when Malcolm eventually left and uh, we kind of took a direction change, I think, you know, we became more self-consciously commercial, maybe. I don't know what it was, but it, it seemed to go... The, the golden era was most certainly 1980 to 1982.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, incredible times. I mean, the, 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 the pub rock um, scene of the sort of mid-70s through to the, you know, early early 80s was a very strange... Sort of, it was just based around trying to keep these pubs and venues open, wasn't it? It was just... Yeah.
2: I mean, when punk, when punk happened, it was like a, a kind of, um, it was kind of like Pol Pot. And uh, it is a case of you go back to year zero, nothing, nothing before punk is allowed, which left a lot of really good players and people kind of stranded. So the really clever ones, Ian Deary, Sting, Elvis Costello, they got through by wearing, wearing the new wave threads, but playing, but playing a more intelligent form of music than punk was maybe known for. Um, but um, we were kind of, XTC was another example, Andy Partridge. They used punk to get through the prominence, you know. We came on a few years after those guys. So it was a kind of more of an uphill struggle for us, you know. But again, we weren't, we weren't punks by any means. Um, none of us, none of us at all. Malcolm, for example, um, he was into hard rock and things, you know, heavy metal even. Um, St- Steve had liked a bit of prog. You know, we, we were singer-songwriter people. Um, but when we got together, it worked and we adopted, we we put on the new wave threads um, and we did a convincing fist of it, I think, you know. Um, it,
0: it seemed it seemed to uh, be something that happened to a, a lot of uh, bands and people around that time, wasn't it? Because there was, there was a, a difficulty for a lot of people to know what to do with this new, I mean, saying new, because by the time I came across about 1979, of course, the height of punk was 70. 6 wasn't it really 70 76 if you were a punk 77 yeah. if you weren't uh, and and it's interesting too that you mentioned Ian Jury there because when I was listening back to um some of the newer music you've been doing though so not not the latest which I want to get to a bit later and talk about that but I was listening to uh G Flat Gumbo what the, what I mean what the fuck is going on in that video linden but apart from <laughs> I really enjoyed that but but uh, also, I thought there was a real nod to Dewey uh, in that. Uh, there was a real nod in, in the way that was sort of put together. I, 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 I really enjoyed that.
2: Oh yeah, Ian Dewey. I mean, um, I, I rated Dewey above all as a, as a lyricist. Yeah. Um, I've always been, I've always been into lyrics. I mean, I, I can, I can acknowledge a great lyric from a hundred miles. It, it, it's, um, he was always an important. An important lyric writer. I mean, everyone admired the, the, the prowess of his band and so on. That, that's undeniable. But, I mean, to me, he interested me as a, ly- a lyric writer. Yeah, so I suppose any of the lyricists that I've, I've admired over most of my life, I mean, I suppose they're all in there somewhere. I mean, I'm constantly chastised for my Dylan thing. I mean, I, I mean to me...
0: Quite it's, right, it's, too. Pod, if Pod yeah. is still around in the room, he'll bring Neil um, closer and uh, we'll have a chat about Neil Young, um,
2: you know, all day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought my Dylan thing uh, is is very very deep. I mean, it's there without me thinking about it. I and mean, you know, I mean, to me, when I listen to my stuff, I don't hear Dylan all, at all anymore. But the Guardian, the Guardian took me to task a few years ago. Um, yeah, called me a, a, a Dylan copyist, which I don't hear. But I mean, you know, I, I would acknowledge that uh, he's been a huge influence anyway.
0: Wow, yes. you 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 read
2: your reviews? Yeah, yeah, I can't <laughs> help it. I, I I know you should. But I mean, even if you know it's a bad one, I'd been warned in advance The Guardian was, was a hatchet job. But I still had to read it, you know. I mean, um, I've even seen the journalist occasionally on the streets. And I've thought, should I go out in a blaze of glory, you know, and... Uh,
0: Does he know you've been stalking here?
2: <laughs> well no, I, I just happened to visit the town where she lives. She, <laughs> oh, well, fair she, enough. Then,
0: then, we'll, we'll say then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was listening to Ukulele Wiz, that, and, and, um I played the Ukulele Wiz right at the opening here and uh lyrically what a beautiful story um i think um i, I mean i've always known in, in the 40 odd 42 years i think um we have uh, coexisted and known of each other uh yeah and, and i passed across uh, on a few occasions it's been very clear to me that the the the, the lyrical content and the poetry that goes into it, and i know you're a great lover of uh, of james joyce and yeah. uh, of uh Nietzsche and you're a you know you're a you're a cerebral chap you enjoy toying with these things in your mind and then playing with those things that that, that reading conjures and, and, and going forward with that and, and, and it's always even in the we were calling the, the 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 mock punk songs then of my youth that I was introduced to with Saddam up strangers because they were on that you know on that on the edge still some great lyrics in there.
2: yeah in those days because of the tempos of the songs um, I, had to, I had to write really in um, kind of calls to arms. I had to write in always brief phrases, couplets at most, you know. Um, you, had to, you had to get the message over urgently. I had to scream to get above the noise of the band. So subtlety was out of the question. I had to basically shout slogans, you know, some of which I probably picked up you know, in a Nietzsche book somewhere, some of it, you know, but um, Dancing on the Feet of Chance. That's the Nietzsche line for start. But, you know, yeah, in those days, the one thing I couldn't do was get too subtle about it, you know. But um, later on with, with the other band, once we slowed the tempos down and the volume, well, then it began to get really interesting, you know, lyrically. But I did my best in those years. We put people like Tolstoy and Nietzsche and all over the posters. You know, we had a, I was definitely pushing an agenda, you know.
0: Well, if I was to ask you now what uh, music you might like me to play in this uh, episode, what songs come to the height of your own music?
2: Our music? Oh, God, I, I don't know. I mean, once, once I write them. I, I... Usually the
0: latest ones, isn't it? The latest one you enjoy. Well, they're,
2: they're the most interesting. I we finished the new album just last Friday. Um, it'll be an album called God, Gods and Men, and that, that'll come out sometime next year. So obviously, I've been, for 18 months, I've been engrossed. In those songs right writing them then Todd and i spent six months arranging them and then we just spent four months recording them um is i'm always most interested in the new material but but i don't know looking back i don't know i mean i think that song you mentioned um a ukulele whiz looks back I'm, I'm very chuffed with that one it's just everything about it kind of works you know
0: beautiful and and the um the, the joy street album in fact the it's perfect right down to the cover art absolutely beautiful isn't it it's a it's a whole as a, as a piece of work
2: yeah and ironically on the bass playing on that one was by Malcolm Phillips Malcolm, oh, Malcolm yeah. yeah Malcolm came back to the band I mean I've had three three projects with Malcolm there was the Saddam on Strangers then a few years later he came back and did one album with us we, we would for about three or four months we had another band name was that
0: Jelly Moulds
2: yeah we made one album in fact, we re recorded um, Jungle. What's the song? Yeah, we we we, we recorded that on that album. Um, I, played, I
0: played Jungle in uh, from my original forty-five in my in my last podcast, just as an introduction right. to, <laughs> to this one. And I played yeah. it directly from the vinyl, crackles and all. It was lovely.
2: <laughs> and then we and then Martin came back for one of the songbook albums. It was Joy Street, which we recorded in Manchester in twenty fifteen. I think it was. Yeah, it's very hard to name individual songs. I mean, I get obsessed with them while we while we're writing and recording them. And then I hear them. I hear them three or four times when the al- when the album is done, and then I don't hear them again, except the except for the song we choose to play live, which are not necessarily even the best ones, but they're they're just the most practical ones to you know for yes. a, for an audience. Yeah, they a fit. A, that's right. They
0: fit a purpose, don't they? Which is a very different thing. So yeah. I've got gods and men. Is it gods of and go- men? Of uh, oh, like as in of mice and men.
2: Of mice and men. Yeah, I could have given you a a world exclusive, couldn't I? But um, I wouldn't technically you know how to um, upload those tracks to you
0: we'll sort that out later on before this goes out and we we'll make sure we have something from that because uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I I'd really love to do that and look when you mention of gods and men how interesting because when i think if, if i'm ever if, if i'm ever describing Uh, Lyndon Morgans as a a writer I would say uh, well it's all sex god psychology Nietzsche James Joyce smoke and booze in the lyrics it comes out more and more and more but what's a romantic is it uh, yeah is it is it more sort of all consumed and infatuated rather than being um, being a romantic because the things you write about I recall falling in love as a young man at the drop of a hat and it seems to come out in your lyrics time and time again that something has caught your eye and you are infatuated with Something beautiful that is wandered into your life.
2: Oh yeah, every song, every songwriter does. But but I mean, really, they they just to me they're just the eternal themes. You know, so, something I think that stands up there um, as as proudly as any other subject is passing time. Um, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of, of Proust, and, and um, the, the way the way time just disappears so quickly is is probably my biggest obsession of all. Looking back becomes more and more valuable and more and more important because time is so pressing. Um, I
0: could not agree with you more. And on that moment, I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going to enjoy this moment just for a second. I'll ring that bell. I'm not a Buddhist, but I do it anyway. We're here, isn't this amazing? This is just incredible.
2: We are here now, and yet, you know, as we've been doing on this on this program this this far, there's a there's a lot of looking back. Looking looking back, looking back is is a part of being in here now. The element of time that matters least is the future because. It, we have no control over it. We don't know it, but I think being here now, it automatically involves a huge amount
0: of looking back. Do you not? Do you not agree? Absolutely. The the, I mean, the the thing is to be is to be um, enjoying and celebrating what has passed, or at least, um, but, but not mulling over to a point where, where where one is is taking oneself back to a time where um, you're making yourself feel upset or depressed about all the many things you could have put right because you can't yeah. you know you, yeah. you, you know it's it's not like my name is earl type situation where he's always going around with a big list trying to say i done you wrong and now i've got to do you right again well that stuff that shit all happened, uh and then it all comes flooding out doesn't it
2: exactly if um you've, you've got to find something to do to um use up your time leave, leave your stain on the silence you know, and like this is this is what I've chosen. I mean, the the um, when I was young, um, everything did make this huge impression on me, and I've never forgotten it. And I've used it as as grist to my mill. You know, I've used it um, the material, the stuff I come up, the stuff I write about is always based on something real that's gone down in the past. You know, um, I could I could just conjure something fictional in my head, you know, purely fictional. I mean, but I but uh, to me. My way of working, I think it is. I think what is with all the people I admire, really, uh, musically and and literary figures, they're, they're all using their own past. Well, I think it's impossible not to, really.
0: That's amazing, mate. Because um, you know, we I know we were both um uh, teasing each other online on on Facebook with regards to the uh, the Get Back um, documentary recently. The Beatles, uh, oh, mate, no. and, and we both we both watched that. And wasn't it fascinating on that? We've always known it with uh, Paul. I mean, bless him. You know, love them all. Okay. I mean, Harrison was always my favorite. I I've realised the genius of Leonard in my older years. I've really realised that, and I, I don't think I got him um, way back when. But I it, it came to me, and, and and I and I just I'm so pleased that it has. But watching that wasn't it interesting with Paul talking about things really mattering to you. And he say, like, someone said to him, "Do these songs just sort of come to you, here, Paul?" And he goes, oh yeah, like it came to me this morning, I was just sitting in the back of a car and I thought, here I am in yeah. the back of my car and I write a song about this. And he would. And literally, he, that's the way he's always done his songwriting. He'd write this song just because he literally tripped up over something and he wrote it. And then he used yeah. all of his incredible experience of his dad's uh, music collection and all of that wonderful history of music hall and all those things, and he wove it together in a million bestseller. How could he do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, on, on film, it's they actually show Get Back coming to him on screen, don't they? He's, he's there strumming the bass, and it slowly becomes the melody and the, um, and some of the lyrics that we know to be Get Back, you know. I think Paul McCartney's, they've still got this awful, you, you find it on some of these online Beatles sites, that he's kind of the, the, the Beatle, the, the, granny, the granny music Beatle, you know. Um, but the thing is, being, being the, by far the most adept musician within the band, his, his musical training was so immense. So when you take a song like uh, Honey Pie, you know, which harks back to Music Hall, I mean, this, it might not be counterculture, but it's, it's musical to the, to the nth degree. He's, he's got this kind of, um, his training in music, I mean, not formal training, his experiential training in music is so amazing that a piece of music like Honey Pie, it may not be saying power to the people, but it's it's saying something more important ultimately. It's true artistry. I mean, I think Paul is the I mean they're all brilliant, you know, but I think Paul was the the essential element into making them a celebrated band. You know, that was amazing. Yeah. You know. That song Honey Pie is that the
0: Honey Pie. You know, you're driving me crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah classic,
2: isn't it? Not revolution, you know. Um so it gets called Granny music because of the, the the silly kind of dichotomies of the time, you know. But, but the uh, it's a, it's a fantastic to be able to recreate that kind of 1920s arrangement. Only Paul within the Beatles could have done it, you know.
0: And 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 again, it's almost like with Paul, it's for every single punch card that's gone through their um their piano player, the the, the melodies come through because they're all you know it's 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 pre digital digital. That that really is that's yeah, yeah. just incredible stuff. Um, and, and the other song, and I think I've mentioned that to you in our, in our Facebook conversation as well, that really grabbed me there on the Get Back theme was the two of us. Now, I didn't know it was called that. I'd always refer to it as home. So, you know, I always get things wrong. I'm famous for getting lyrics wrong. I'll, I'll say something. and So I'll say, doesn't go yeah, like that. Yeah. It doesn't go like that. Stop it. Or my daughter will lambaster me <laughs> for some good reason. And and, and well done. Long may she do that. But... um that song, the two of us going nowhere did yeah. back home I mean, it's just beautiful.
2: I mean, Paul McCartney, in interviews, he tends to say the song was about him and Linda, but I think, that's a, I think that's a bit of kind of subterfuge. I mean, him and Linda, by that time, 69, he only met her in 67, um, they didn't have that kind of past to sing about. He's clearly referring to someone more long-standing, almost certainly John Lennon. John assumed it was about himself, and Paul certainly let him think it. Let him think it. So I think I think we can safely say
0: it is a song about him and John. I don't know what people what people write about. Um, you know, when famous people make music, and then other people make money by writing about what they think they've made it about them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah and, now, yeah. and now, and now I'm doing that with you. So if I if I get anything wrong, you you, you make sure you uh, you tell me. But no, no, it wasn't no. about that. It wasn't about the that. M- My friend, a chameleon. I didn't have a real chameleon, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I used to pet gecko. Yeah.
0: No, the, the, the I mean, to me, the the uh, I
2: need all the myths I can get. You know, the more myths the better. I was actually killed in a car crash four years ago, and this is just a this is just a lookalike, you know, that kind of thing. Fantastic. I
1: love that. <laughs> I need. The same Hosannas I need a winning poker hand And a life scribbled down on a post-it note Get me that if you can And a couple of things that don't exist yet That won't be easy, I know Couldn't one of you text the Almighty And tell him Lyndon says hello I need a long ago winter sun you on my guest list if you get me one of those and i'll brew you all up a miracle you ain't never tasted the likes of yet enough to feed the whole damned world and raise the dead i'll bet
0: you've got carl with you uh pod the band is referred to on wikipedia no less song of the band as a duo which was the first time I've heard that. I mean, I guess you guys have been together forever, right? So is it, do you consider yourselves yeah, Paul, to be a duo with, with visiting others? Well, no, was, um, yeah, Paul, Paul and I, Paul's been in
2: every band I've had. Paul's always been, the, he's been the one sort of, uh, along with myself, he's been the one unchanging factor. But the song dog. When, when we started song dog. I mean, Sig was actually in the band for the first album. He's on the very first album, and then he moved on. Um, we've gone through an ever-changing cast, really. Our drummer and accordion player, Dave Patterson, he, he'd been with us right up until this latest album. He's not on the latest one, which is why we now call ourselves a, a duo. But, I mean, we've been a three-piece, a four-piece, a five-piece over the years, you know. When the next album comes out sometime next year, we, we're now in discussion about whether it should be tying on using the name Song Dog, or now that we've shrunk down to just this. Or whether you should go ahead and under my name or, or whatever, we're,
0: we're, we're discussing that as we speak. And how are you sorting out the writing these days? Is that also, you because I know that um, Pod writes and has sung in the past. I remember a few years ago, and, and I'm a, you know, we, we we just were like a huge family, really, with, from a point of view. Yeah. The, the, the Raining the band, blood, hands in the band. Yeah, raining blood, brilliant. Let Pod you, sing. Well, we and I, can I can I apologise for, for the behaviour of. Uh, of all of these young people many years ago screaming in your faces, play this, play that, we want this now, because uh, there was a lot of that going on. It was always quite a noisy audience.
2: We took that to be a sign that they liked us. You know, <laughs> so yeah. we did. So we, yeah, that we was stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they Yeah. Yeah. were great times. You know, we probably remembers being asked outside one night to play snowballs. Yeah, they wanted to kill with, me with snowballs with, yeah. with, a, with, a, with a gang of critics. But that, um,
3: <laughs> that
2: was
0: Bogdan's gang. I knew what they were to do. Yeah, Bogdan. People, right? do you, you know Bogdan. The umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah, well, Bogdan, Bogdan and his gang. He was yeah. part of my Polish, my, the Polish mafia, one of, one of my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. I used to practice in the uh, basement of the White Eagle Club, Club or Labiawi in Bala. Well,
2: something we played that night uh, and upset him or something. Yeah. So his revenge was to be to invite Pod outside for a snowball fight. A
3: stoning. That's and what it was. Was, they just stoned <laughs> in the snow then.
2: It didn't happen to me, so I was I was, it
3: was in the witness box.
2: I was unaware of it all, but Pod
0: took a lot of that. You know, call that song. You know, pull um, a pull a, cha- pull a chair up, Pod. Come and, come and pull a chair up a bit closer, if so you can see, you, mate. Pod will, Pod will take my chair for a few minutes. Okay, okay, okay. and then little comfort yeah. break, and then I'll come back. Okay, here we go, Change over. <laughs> okay, mate. Right, we've had we've had Dylan. Let's have Neil on. Hello, Neil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so so lovely to see you, mate. It really is. Um, I know you're a Neil fan, I am, a massive Neil fan. Yeah. Uh, and, and always have, we're talking about Neil Young. Um, have, yeah. you, have, you, have you been seeing what's been going on with this new Barn recording? Have you been following that?
3: It's like it always is with, with the latest releases. You're a little bit nervous, as it's always quite cranky. Um, and it can sometimes be a bumpy ride. Um, you you get good stuff and you get stuff, you think, well, you didn't spend much time putting that together. And then maybe a couple of years later, you realise how good it is. Been off the map with him for a while. I know was the one that he, Americana. Um, I avoided Americana in the beginning. And then a friend dumped, dumped the, the album on me said he couldn't handle it. So I thought, let's have another listen. And it's a bloody good album. You know, you've got Beach Boys backing, singing in it. It's got nothing at all to do with Americana, you know. So, you, you know, yeah, I've, I've stuck with Neil Young all the way through. And he, to me, he's, he's the ultimate
0: guitar player, you know. Absolutely, that sound, he was talking, I, I saw a 40-minute film on YouTube the other day, he was talking about um, the barn, and he was talking about, um, he's got like, uh, I've got this one guy that, you know, that, that, that does my amplifiers, and, and he, you know, we, we 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 worked our way through, uh, we worked our way through 35 tubes to find the four tubes for this, uh, and he's he saying to get this crunchy noise, I said, what the deal you mean you mean you actually tried to get that sound that grungy grungy sound. i love it i mean you know when, when i first heard rust never sleeps it's terrible with me i'm instantly transferred to being in that world when i hear that kind of music just like i was playing a uh, fourth degree grown earlier and just just being taken back to that moment and these waves of emotion go over you and you're on stage doing it with it you just you're just there but it, isn't it wonderful
1: a
3: bloody beautiful songwriter as well and most of all is his energy it's incredible you know this thing i would just do it are you still there what? yes i'm here
0: this was stuff that um rounded about the time that i was introduced um found you guys my my tribe as i referred to it at the time um i'd been introduced i was living in peckham at the time i would moved from clapham to peckham and i used to cycle over to clapham to the two brewers I, mean, yeah. I, I even I even cycled up to flipping Dingwalls once, which almost broke <laughs> me. And and then when I got to Dingwalls, there was me—I think
1: 16, that, yeah.
0: sixteen, probably—you know, wearing, wearing my rags as I always did, with with uh with a "Sound Among Strangers" bag, turning up looking like a, a very big, menacing, you know, badly dressed youth. And this place was like um, Dingwalls was like walking into Duran Duranville or something. At the time, it was super posh. It had. Uh, the television screens on the wall, uh, showing you what the stage happened. I think drinks were about five or a pop or something. What the bloody hell have I bothered cycling up here for? And I don't think I could even see you because I couldn't get close enough well, to the stage. Yeah, do you, do you remember having to
3: repair Rob Kelly's um lights? Do you remember that?
0: Yes, like boxes. That's, when,
3: that's at- when we discovered what a beautiful you know, he was remember he had these big rhombus boxes and everything, like you know what Kelly was like. Deadly that- say that day, yeah.
0: And I remember, uh, and I remember actually being in charge of the lights. I was so proud to be in charge of the lights at the 101 Club up in St John's Hill, um, <laughs> which, it, which if you recall, was a fire risk and a half. It was like up a set of stairs, then through a then through a slight sideways thing, crammed past the bar, uh, and then and then there was a tiny stage with a. I think the loo was just to the edge of the stage. So between going, um, when it was a packed house, which they always were, you'd literally be, well, in COVID times, it's not even worth thinking about it, isn't it? You'd be be sliding past people using the power of sweat to get past them. Because, of course, I knew all the stuff, and I loved doing that light, the light box stuff. I remember repairing it with uh, Ian. I think we were at the flat in uh, New Cross, and we were looking through all these huge boxes that I didn't realise Rob had made them. I didn't realise they had originated from Rob. And, um, he, and he, going through all the sliders trying to get things work, and then buying these enormous old bulbs. And uh, I do not you probably couldn't see a thing on stage with a great big yellow bulb in your face. <laughs> like you said, with,
3: with, with Rob, you know, uh, how mad he was. Uh, better be Grish and call him Mr. Kelly if he ever
0: li- listens in, you yeah? know. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> Kelly. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Kelly. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> yeah, they were great times, though, Dan. They were great times. And I, I recall the odd game of Ludo, which... Um, which was always very competitive. And um, as a younger man, well, when my kids were a bit younger, I would get a terrible reputation for uh, being uh, a bit of a Ludo bastard Uh, because, you know, the the competitiveness in Ludo in the New Cross place was just uh, legendary, wasn't it? It was it was ancient Rome we were dealing with there, you know. What? Exactly the Caesarship. It was, it was all about getting the Caesarship, and, and, uh, and whoever won was Caesar.
2: I challenge I challenge you to a game. Next time we meet, I will obliterate you on a Luda board,
0: Okay? <laughs> you say that, but you know you know how it's going to go. You know how it's going to go. Not really. no,
2: uh, coming back from coming back from a gig with a song dog gig in Holland. We, uh, we played on the ferry coming back. We had a game of Ludo and it got so loud and so violent, and almost everyone in the bar just stood around watching the game. We, 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 we were the sort of uh, the North Sea entertainment. Yeah, yeah. That's a standing challenge, okay? I
0: dare you to play me at Ludo, okay? Uh, I, I, I accept and uh, I shall bring a, a fine bottle of uh, something red that we probably have a little small soups on. We might have to be sort of so, so far socially distanced that we can't. Bloody well enjoy it. I really look forward to that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I will put a title to this podcast, and I'm not sure what it will be. Now, the, the podcast that I do, I've entitled it We Are the Weather. It's just one of the many things I do. As I said to you earlier, I'm doing it for me. It's something that I want to enjoy and have fun with. And if I do my job properly and edit it properly, hopefully other people will enjoy it too. So that's where I come from with that. I don't know what i call it, but uh, one of the things that came to mind was like living your dreams and If Music Be the Food of Love. Now, I hadn't realised when that was written for Twelfth Night that that was actually to be cured from the obsession. But I'd always assumed If Music Be the the Food of Love play on, it's like, uh, give me more of this, I want more of this love. In actual fact, it didn't mean that at all, apparently. It meant something very different. You said Proust was a huge influence on you, Linden. He was. was. I would call the three greatest writers of the 20th century I
2: would say with Joyce Beckett and Proust, yeah. Um, his, his great theme was um, lost time and, how, and how an art, what use an artist would make of it. You know, like I said, it's, it's really been my theme. Yeah, yeah. Lo- lo- lashings of sex. Yeah, lo- lost, lost time. It made a massive impression on me. That I, don't, I don't know why it was, but there was something about... I remember when I was about seven years old, walking up a country lane and stopping and, and turning and looking back a few hundred yards, thinking, oh, just a, just a few minutes ago, I was, down, I was back down there I was always aware of um, moving time, and, and the older I've got, the more obsessional it becomes. So I, I totally understand the, the wisdom of living in, in the now, rather as animals do, and I get that totally, but I've, I've always been time-haunted, always. It time is a kind of um, that's, that's
0: a very interesting phrase. It's, it's,
2: a, it's, a, it's as real an element that I have to live in, to me, uh, as, as air or fire or water, you know. It's, it's, a, it's an element. It's, it's there i'm utterly aware of it even as we speak i'm aware of it and i don't just mean in the mundane way that you you have to check your watch because you've got something on or or you're running late so i'm talking about reality that you almost you can almost taste or feel on your skin it's always been that way for me
0: there's, there's a thing isn't there with um with regards to living in the now and some people might um say that that's well i'm gonna buy that motorbike or I'm- do this or I'm going to do that fuck it it's all about now I'm going to do these things and there's literally being fully present yeah obviously everything that's happened in your past can wave through but you're still within this present moment thinking about that which could take you back to that time you know I'm here talking to you and I can happily be back in the two brewers or in the starlight club or and I was trying to remember the name of all of the clubs and there was the one the Clarendon Hotel who supported Blurt a couple of times there and all these various things that happen, and I was trying to remember that. And, and when I'm talking about them, I'm genuinely there, walking through the door. I can pace it. I can. I'm. I'm not having to think about doing that. My brain is automatically doing that. To me, but I'm still present. I'm still in this moment.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, v- vivid recall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, it's it's all big one. It's all big one continuum to me. I mean, even though I'm aware that I'm advanced through something called time, it's all equally real to me. I mean, it's like one big continuum. It doesn't seem strange to me to have to make an effort to recall Clapham in 1980. Yeah, it's, it's there all the time. Sometimes it's a case of I wish I could, I wish I could forget things. It's like lots of heads crowding around your sick bed, you know, look, looking at you. I, I can't, I can't shake it off. But when really you mentioned is. that,
0: I could just, I could close my eyes and I could almost imagine a picture that Pod would draw to explain exactly what you just described—that all these faces around a bed staring at you. I can see that as a bit yeah. of Pod art.
2: His art is, 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 is ongoing, and it's, um, it's, it's ironic. The kind of things he writes, they do seem to be the kind of creatures that would pe- people, my, my internal life, my dreams, my nightmares, you know, he seems to draw and paint my nightmares. Even though I don't tell him, I don't describe my
0: nightmares to him, I mean, but he, he just seems to know that maybe he has the same dreams. This communication, one of the things that's really important, um, which you touched on there, my version of how people listen to each other And are aware of each other. It all comes down to the story. Is nobody will ever feel better than to have chewed the fat and had a nice yarn like we're doing now with an old friend, Uh, because the feeling you get um, after such a thing is just almost warm and unexplainable. It's just like, yeah, wasn't that wasn't that wonderful, you know? And you don't always know why. Equally, can I say, if somebody who may be living with you at the time or staying with you that you don't get on with uh wanders back into the house and you almost know what they're going to say the moment that door opens in front of you you can feel yeah. you can feel that energy long before it happens and it yes in, yeah. and it's in the power of the beholder i.e us you know what I mean? to go, i'm not going, yeah. to allow, I'm going to allow that wash over me it's fascinating the way you can control these things have you have you had those experiences
2: yeah i mean um I don't know whether I'm disciplined or undisciplined generally. But I mean, sometimes I I can assert fantastic control of myself, and other times I'm just a monster. You know, um, I don't know. i, I talk about talking about listening. We are undereducated and over-entertained, I think, you know. Listening is an art, and I think it's a dying one. I mean, in this noisy world, you know, with everything's vying for our attention, I expect to have conversations this afternoon with people, where I know in advance they won't be listening. I'll listen twice as hard for them. What I really object to is when you're giving your listening every fibre of your being, and all you're getting back is terminal boredom. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think if you're going to talk about yourself, if you're going to talk about yourself at great length, it is your duty to be fascinating. I either have an amazing life to talk about, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> or, or talk of a very humdrum life in a fascinating way. But I mean, some sometimes people don't even make that effort. I have I have a brother for my sins. I have a brother who is staggeringly boring. You know, so, so I I do the I do the family thing. And I'll go and visit him and I'll know in advance every single, even the punctuation or lack of it. Are you happy
0: for me to put that in
2: the podcast? Yeah, I don't, I mean (laughs) everything everything I produce is for human consumption. Fantastic. Hey, so I'll just, I just,
0: I just remind you of the fact that you had a, a I can't remember, was it a, a, the famous bit of Lyndon Morgan's trivia? Was it a half-sister or a stepsister that appeared in a famous video?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I found out already quite old when I found out that I'd been adopted and so on. Yeah, I have, a, I have a half-sister who's one of the girls in that Robert, um, Robert. what's his name? Uh, Robert Palmer, Addicted yeah. to Love. Yeah, you're know, yeah, one, one, of,
0: one of those girls. One of those girls, yeah. yeah. And the amazing, obviously, I didn't know she was my sister then. But that, that, um, that, what, that is that is a pretty excellent little trivia, though, isn't it? It's a it's a, that's a nice. Yeah, did, yeah. You ever meet, did you ever meet her? No, no. It's all very hush, hush. Okay. Um, oh, is it?
2: My birth mother's great fear was that her daughters would find out about the sons she'd had adopted. So it's all very already hush hush. I mean, in their world anyway. So um but that but that, that happens to be true, yeah.
0: And it's interesting here that you, you're talking about the, the title of the album and then you just now you you dropped a phrase that you could be a monster. You could it could end up being called gods and monsters then really, which is that
2: I just assume that some heavy metal or prog band has already used that title. I don't know. You, know but, uh, <laughs>
0: London, anyway. you, keep, you keep saying things, and then it reminds me of other things. If we just picture a scene, just take the, the, the listeners, if there are any, back to dear Lemmy from Motorhead. Now, if you remember Lemmy from Motorhead, you might imagine him leather-clad, possibly leaning on a bar, possibly with a, a very overly ornate, beautiful rock chick on one arm and maybe three on the other. That's exactly what we saw every time we went to the Greyhound in Fulham Palace Road, and he was up at the front of the bar, <laughs> sitting there. And that's exactly what he looked like. Right, yeah. And later
2: on, years later, Songdog we appeared on the same bill as Motherhead at a festival in Sweden, and he was exactly the same. He hadn't changed anyway. Even did you, he, did you remind was... him?
0: Did you remind him of those days?
2: Oh no, I felt you the, the better part of discretion not to mention it. He hadn't changed his genes in all those years. Uh, yeah.
0: You're probably right. What I <laughs> thought. <laughs> I was I was flabbergasted because I didn't know who Lemmy was. I didn't know what Motorhead was. I knew what Sandman Strangers was. He obviously knew, and so did the girls around him. And it was it was just like a little floating scene that followed
2: him everywhere he went. We had a, a rodeo friend, John, a friend of ours, and uh, he would he would go up to him and, and call him Ian. John with the hair, yeah. John with the hair. Or little John. Little John. Lo- lo- a lovely
0: a lovely guy he was too. I remember him well.
2: We still know John very well, he's yeah. still around. Oh, but send, him, hair, my, send
0: him my regards. He probably won't remember me, but please send him my regards. Yeah. I, I, I recall having some wonderful conversations with him sitting on the uh, sitting on the amps out oh, back he, at the Full Palace Road.
2: He will remember you, he's, he's got a forensic interest in, in those early Silent Strangers days. I mean, he's, he's a true expert, he'll certainly remember you. Lovely,
0: oh, oh, brilliant, mate. Look, it's been a lovely, lovely chat. I hope you can use. I, I'd be able to edit something very, very uh, beautiful together. And it really is a, it's a real joy to, to talk to you and see pardon and Lou. And uh, I do want that game of um, Ludo. Standing challenge. I mean, one day you have to face me across a Ludo board.
2: Wear, wear brown trousers, obviously. <laughs> you know, but- but the, uh, you know, I will, um, I will win. You know, it's just a case of how entertaining will the slaughter be. That's all. You know, you're
0: still in touch with with Julius. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you? I, I'm going to dedicate this show to the life of Julius and um, Justin's mum, who passed away just a few weeks ago, Kit Gladwell. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll dedicate this show to, the, to to her memory. She's a lovely lady, and, and always had a lot yeah. of time for me as a young man. I am very much in touch with. Uh, I, see more of, yes. I, well, I speak more to Justin than I do to Julius. I, I'm in touch with both of them and with Mauro also. Yeah. I've forgotten Mario, huh? of course, yeah. Yeah, Mario. Well, you, yeah, you call him Mario, I call him Mario. You used to call me Danny. I'm, I've been Dan for years. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, you know how it, these things change, but they don't really matter at all. But, no, Julius and Justin have been lifelong friends. So Justin spent a lot of time in New Zealand. As I said, the picture of the uh, the guitar in the background here, yeah, that was Justin's Ibanez. Uh, I think it was a V700. And uh, I've got you can't see you can just see a neck hiding behind the uh, Justin told me right when he
3: started guitar he wanted to play like Joe Pass can he play like Joe Pass Well look Justin is very
0: interesting Justin (laughs) Justin is one of these people uh, and I'm definitely going to send you this Justin so I'm going to be careful what I say Um, (laughs) Justin is one of those people that he just. He decides one day, I'm going to do this. And then he just goes out and bloody does it. So it could be hang gliding one minute. And I remember a time when he suddenly decided he was going to do opera. And he he went and he, I don't know where he did, this is pre-internet. So where he got his lessons from and how he managed to do it, I don't know. But within, you know, within days, it was largo, la citta, largo, and he was doing all this stuff. And he was, but he was so, so into it. So it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that Joe Pass came up there. And I bet he's, he had his Joe Pass moment and then his Joe Pass moment passed. And then something else took over from that, which is what tends to happen. He, I mean, when I got this guitar, that, he said to me, he said, "Now, he said, um, about this guitar, he said, no, I've got flat wounds on there and they're jazz strings. is that they're very good. And uh, that, that's how that's set up to work. And of course, the first thing I did was rip there. And put some, some round rounds off and then put a pizza pickup in and changed it for, you know, for my playing stuff, style and, and, uh, and enjoyed uh, doing that. And I'm sure he didn't mind at all. Uh, but he's just, he's a very, very accomplished guitarist. He's got, he? um, he's got a, I think he's got a George Benson semi-acoustic and he's got a couple more. The reason he let me have this one, I bought it off him about 16 years ago now. Uh, his good lady uh, had said, you've got too many guitars, you need to get rid of some. Uh, wouldn't that be lovely to get everyone together for a game of Ludo and a, and a bit of a play? That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's yeah, 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 He's kind yeah. of a very, he's kind of a very shy. I mean, you know me. I, 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 I have been in a band and 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 I've recorded music. I've had music played by our, our, our co-friend um, Tom Robinson uh, in a band called Posh Ape uh, that I did, and, I, and I've also yeah. put together yeah. some some stuff that I've that I've done, and um and that's been great. But myself, like Justin, I don't know what it is too. He seems to be the same whereby. We do it for us, the, you know. The music's for us, it's not really for other people. I kind of like the idea of being on a stage and playing to other people. And it's always nice to have adoration when people say that was nice, wasn't it? Especially when yeah, you yeah. had a, a lifetime as a child being told, Well, you almost got that right. Or what did you guys have growing up with that? Did, did you have encouragement with music? Or definitely didn't have encouragement. No, I had to keep
3: telling the to off. <laughs> They've become um, the enemy in the end, that's what drives you
2: anyway. My father bought me a guitar um, when I was 12, for Christmas when I was 12. Actually, it's the guitar I'm playing on the, on the cover of the last album, A Happy Ending. Because I was academically very good, and adults really valued that, so because I was good at school and passed exams and so on, I tended to get in whatever I liked. I suppose, um, although my, my family wasn't musical, the, they they were totally behind whatever i did you know um so I, I suppose i did get encouraged really
0: yeah were you the youngest in in the family i know you said you were adopted Harry, and you didn't discover that until until late on no. uh, we, we should maybe this would be a great thing to talk about at another time if you if you wouldn't mind it'd be fabulous to yeah talk about that one i had one brother 13 months younger than me that's the one i mentioned earlier the boring brother ah yeah. the boring brother what's your boring yeah, brother's yeah. name colin colin you're not boring at all you're lovely it's just that Lyndon's Uh-oh. never really never Linden's never understood you, okay? Oh, he, he
3: clearly hasn't no, it. You haven't met Colin.
0: <laughs> does Colin does Colin play Ludo? No. I think Colin can spell Ludo. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I've I've had the absolute best time. It's lovely, it's lovely talking to you. If I was gonna play a song out. If you were going to select an out song, not like a funeral song or anything, but one of your songs, come on, to play it, to play something out, to leave somebody with a warm feeling. Just give me give me a couple of titles. What would you like? F- fashion Tips for the Sensitive. Fashion oh, I love sensitive. that. Yep. <laughs> Bertie Stole It All with That Great Keyboard Part. Life in the Graveyard, Normal. Do you know, brilliant, In Roar, the Roaring Silence. Life in yeah. the Graveyard. Life, I love Life in the Graveyard. I mean, look, we, have, we haven't really. I mean, I could have talked, I literally could have talked about you know, your songs and your discography and stuff, especially the early stuff, All Flipping Day, and what effect it had on me. It's just, you know, it's just incredible. And they all had a, a, an amazing effect on me. And that musical legacy, it rubs off and it moves on. And like we were talking about Justin and myself, it's so important to all of us. So the, the interaction that we've had, and it and it continues, when we're talking about it now, this is helping back to the past, being in the present, but harping back to the past, like you say. And I'm there. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I'm literally, I'm on stage. Well, it's been a nice
2: talking to you, Dan. If ever you want round two, we'll be up for it, though I suspect that after I humiliate you over the Ludo ball, you'll never want to speak to me again. But <laughs> side,
0: that side, you know, it's, it, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again, all right? Oh, we'll definitely talk again. It's been an absolute joy, and have a lovely day, and a splendid Christmas, guys, and um, you, all the very Bye. best. Love you. Bye. Bye. So that's a noisy last orders please from the uh, two brewers in Clapham High Street in the summer of 1980. Ah, uh, it seems like just a moment ago and yet in many ways about 42 years. Um you've probably realized by now that um that a conversation was had just before christmas um actually i think um i think it was about two days before christmas um just after i recorded my last episode and um a week or two after they'd finished recording the other reason for our uh, conversation there which was the recording of their new album of which we have a uh, track in just a moment which actually was originally a um a b-side on uh st lucy's day which came out as a single um but it was also on the 2013 album last orders at harry's bar just to complete the pub theme there at the end of that um i've had the best time um with this conversation really looking forward to catching up for ludo if we get a chance to do that and uh we'll certainly report back now uh i do do this for fun But I've also got a Patreon thing going on, so have a quick listen to that. If you enjoyed listening today, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash we are the weather. Thank you very much. Well, let's just have a quick recap of all the great music you've heard today. One more still coming up in just a moment. Uh, So we started off, kicked off today with uh, the ukulele whiz looking back. And then in the uh, interview segment, we started with fashion tips for the sensitive from Sad Among Strangers. Fourth degree groan from Sad Among Strangers. Uh, Then right in the middle of that interview, you might have noticed a lovely snippet of uh, G-flat gumbo which came from the their last song dog album which was a happy ending in 2020 and the uh, link to the very bizarre video of that um, which will give me something to expect when I go and play them at Ludo I hope not anyway um, you'll have to see the video to figure out why I'd say that Um, so that link is in the description uh and then at the end of the piece there we had a a snippet of life in the graveyard normal again from the uh justin tapes shall we call them from uh, the summer of 1980 right well let's um let's hear uh a great song from the brand new album of Gods and Men, of which I've been given this little snippet. I don't know whether it's the final version. I know nothing. All I know is I've been allowed to play it. So here it is. So from the new Dog album of Gods and Men, this is Song for a Five-String Guitar.
1: I still play guitar Though it don't Mean much up here I mean Who the hell's to hear? I broke a string too And you can't find guitar strings A hundred light years beyond Proxima Centauri Others are all dead. Something moved through the crew like a rumor. The computer's dead, the guidance system's gone. I'm all alone now. But if I could be anywhere, I'd be back home on a bench in the pod, even with a cold. Sometimes I hear noises in an airlock. I wish I could roll a decent spliff. I used to imagine I'd be somehow near a God out here. So I started praying, but the conversation drifted. Now either God's own out or He just don't exist. Forever. It's a long, long time since I last felt immortal Before my life turned out as shapeless As the eyes of the leather jeans Maybe I'll crash land on some planet Get some repairs done to the ship And head for home I always was a sucker for a happy ending That's why I sit here strumming like some bargain bin of problems On a five-string guitar, I can't even be bothered to tune.
0: An excellent taste there of what to expect when Dog's new album of Gods and Men is released a little later this year. Uh, just a quick reminder that this episode of We Are The Weather is very much dedicated to the memory of Kit Gladwell and friends everywhere. Apologies to Lyndon, um, who is time-haunted, as I've now discovered, uh, for the delay in getting this um, Podcast out. I hope that hasn't freaked you out, my friend. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, Pod and Lou. And um, I've just uh, ordered two pairs of uh, brown trousers in uh, in your size, obviously. Uh, so I'll bring those with me just in case you don't have anything suitable to wear. And uh, I really look forward to catching up soon. I really do. It's been a very hard two years. I, I keep wanting to catch up with friends. Uh, at gigs and um, there's so many gigs going on now and they're getting underway again and it's a wonderful thing to see Um, I've been very lapsed about getting out and getting involved but I'm I'm looking forward to doing it again at some stage soon and uh, well that's all for today Um, let's just have a little uh, a little reminder of what we are the weather is all about and uh, it just leaves me to say Thank you very, very much for listening today and uh, lots of love to all. Bye then. Thank you for your company today. Please do check the podcast description for links and other interesting information. We're not responsible for others' actions and reactions, only for our own. And remember always that it really is okay to not be okay. If you want to be anything in life, be kind. Honesty with love, my friends.